song and sing it with me this morning, worthy of every song. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say, You're worthy, Lord. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. Sing holy. celebrate the resurrection of Christ and Paul says it best in 1 Corinthians 15 he says but in fact Christ has been risen from the dead the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep for as by a man came death by a man has also the resurrection of the dead for as in Adam all died in sin so also in Christ all shall be made alive. Amen. We thank you, Jesus. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul gives uh, what, what's, 
actually we know as one of the creeds. So a creed in the New Testament is something that the first century church was saying, that everybody was saying. It's kind of like a um, uh, God is good. There it is, y'all getting it. And all the time, God is good. So, and that's not a creed, by the way. <laughs> but that's just something that people would <laughs> get it twisted. That's not a creed. People would say that people would normally say. Uh, in the Bible days, there were creeds that people would say, and you knew you were a follower of Christ because of these creeds. So if there was persecution going on, they would say these creeds back and forth. They would start their services by saying these creeds. So there were phrases, uh, 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 a lot of them had to do with Christ, Christ is Lord, uh, uh, Jesus is God, those type of things. Um, scholars believe that 1 Corinthians chapter 15 was a creed that Christians or followers of Christ used to repeat to each other. Verse one, now I want to make clear for you, brothers and sisters, the gospel I preached to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand and which you have been saved. If you hold to the message I preach to you, unless you believe in vain. For I pass unto you as most important what I also received. And this is where the creed started, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he raised again on the third day, according to the scriptures. Stop. For years, that used to throw me off. Because we always read about and we saw scriptures that showed that Jesus died. And when, when Paul here, when he's saying according to the scriptures, he's talking about the Old Testament. Remember, they didn't have Old Testament, New Testament. As a matter of fact, that's a, a new thing that just showed up. When you look in the, script, in the Bible and you hear Paul and the apostles and Jesus even saying scriptures, he's referring to two things. Uh, uh, Moses or the Pentateuch, the first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and the prophets. And the prophets like to include David too. So all, all of those people who uh, what we now call the Old Testament is what it was referring to. What Paul is saying here was that not only was the death of Christ mentioned in the Old Testament, not only was the burial of Christ mentioned in the Old Testament, which we seen and talked to and referred to, but the resurrection was mentioned in the Old Testament. That threw me off. It's like, because I don't remember reading about the resurrection in the Old Testament. That's what he says there. He was buried, he raised again on the third day according to the scriptures. And so I said, let me see if I can find what scriptures are showing in the Old Testament on this day, Resurrection Sunday, Easter, um, that we're celebrating Christ's resurrection. Um, in doing that, something else hit me. Turn a couple of books back, Luke chapter 24. I don't know why Luke don't get a lot of love. Um, John gets lots of love when it comes to uh, Christ on the cross and the burial and resurrection. Matthew gets love. Luke don't get a lot of love for some reason. I don't know why. But in Luke chapter 24, uh, you see it starts off, I don't know if your Bibles have little titles. This one starts off with resurrection morning. And so Christ had died. They buried him in chapter 23. Look at 2356, the last verse in chapter 23. Then they returned and prepared spices and perfumes, and they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandments. Jesus had died. They had to take him off the cross, prepare his body, and put him in a tomb before Sabbath started, because that was when Passover was. And so they had to get this done before Passover. It's going to be a key later on in the message. So Jesus rose the next day, the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb. They brought spices, blah, blah, blah. Jesus rose from the dead. Mary came. Jesus wasn't there. Angel was there. They said, oh, my goodness, what are we going to do? They was made. She ran off. 
the story, Luke, now remember Luke is hearing this from uh, 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 Paul and we think Mark, because Mark used to hang with Paul. He's talking with Paul. Luke is writing this stuff down, so he's getting it straight from the horse's mouth. In verse 13, <laughs> the story shifts from Jesus rising from the dead, right? The story shifts to these two people who are walking down uh, this road to a place called, called uh, Emmaus. So these two disciples, they're walking, verse 13, they're walking, they're discussing some things, and the Bible says that they are kind of arguing, verse 15, they're discussing and they're arguing. As they're doing this, remember, Jesus had just died. They went to the tomb, he wasn't there. So these two disciples walking and was fussing. While they were walking and fussing, verse 13 says, while they were discussing and arguing, Jesus himself came near and began to walk with them. But they were prevented from recognizing him. So Jesus, who just rose from the dead, started walking with the two cats. So he's listening to them arguing, to them fussing, and they're arguing and fussing. And he says, yo, what, what y'all fussing about? What's going on? And then the guy said, Cleopas said in verse 18, uh, where are you from? Don't you know what just happened? Jesus, a guy named Jesus who was here from Nazareth. He was a prophet. He was powerful, verse uh, uh, 19. He was preaching for God and the people. The chief priests took him. They killed him. We buried him. Then some women in our group this morning came and told us, verse 22, verse 23, that they went, they saw an angel and the, said he was alive. They looked inside the tomb and he wasn't there. Verse 25, this is a verse I want to look at. Jesus said, how foolish are you and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Wasn't it necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and to enter his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself and the scriptures. Not only does Paul say that the Old Testament affirms the work of Christ, his death, his burial, resurrection. Jesus even said it when he was talking to these guys walking to Emmaus. Now, if you've never heard that story, this is just one of the coolest stories ever. They was like, yo, this guy knows a lot. How come he know about Jesus? That's crazy. Why don't you come to the house? We're going to cook some food. Jesus was like, nah, I'm good. They begged me to came. He came. The Bible says when he sat down to break bread and said when he broke the bread, they saw how he broke the bread. Apparently, Jesus broke bread a certain way. And when they saw how they broke the bread, they were like, Yo, that's just, and the Bible said he disappeared right there, just like that. Yeah, <laughs> got him. <laughs> so Moses, again, Moses and the prophets, when you see the scripture, Moses and the prophets, it's pretty much talking about the Old Testament. And so what Jesus and Paul both said was that this thing called the resurrection, this thing that we're celebrating today, this thing that we bring up was mentioned. It wasn't something new. It was mentioned in the Old Testament. So let's look at the Old Testament real quick. Um, we've had messages before on these. We talked about the tabernacle. Every single piece in the tabernacle alluded to Christ. It has something to do with Christ. Uh, uh, every piece of article that was in the temple, in the holies of holies, uh, uh, the candlestick, Jesus is the light, uh, the altar, uh, uh, the seat, the mercy seat, Jesus is the mercy seat, the perpetuation. All of those things alluded to Christ were types of Christ. And so when you saw these things, they talked about Christ and his work. Isaiah talked about him. He said he was going to be a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. He said he was going to be born from a virgin. Micah said where he was going to be born from. So you see all these things. <clears throat> One thing that was a little, I don't want to say tricky, but there were these feasts. So if you read Leviticus, 
And you usually get there whenever you start reading through the Bible. You get to Leviticus before you start and then fading off. That's what happens to me. <laughs> so you usually get through Leviticus. In Leviticus, it talks about a lot of feasts. And that's kind of part of it why it's kind of like, huh, another feast, another feast. But you get in Leviticus, there are these feasts that Christ, that God told him to do. And you would think, why in the world is he telling me these feasts? Get this day of the month, this specific day, get this specific food, you eat it this specific way, and in doing this, you honor me. And you're doing this, you honor me. I'm like, but what's up with the feast, man? The thing was, everything that God told the children of Israel to do in that capacity was a reference to Christ. One of the things they had was um, on the 14th day of the month called Nisan, they, uh, 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 they were prepared for the Passover. Now, we know what the Passover was. Church of Israel, they were in Egypt. Uh, let my people go. Pharaoh said, I'm not going to let you go. Moses said, let my people go. I'm not going to let you go. Plagues came, finding the last plague. God said, tell Pharaoh, I'm going to kill his son. Kill his son. Before he killed the son, God said, followers of me, children of Israel, kill a lamb. Take the blood, put it on the doorposts. Have everybody in the house. If your doorpost has blood on it, anybody and everyone in the house is saved. Firstborns are saved. Anybody who did not have blood, the firstborn was going to die. That was the death angel. The death angel came and passed over the city. And so that was a, what they called the Passover. So every year they would celebrate that time of the year, the Passover, when God spared the lives of those who were under the blood, hallelujah, versus those who were not under the blood. So God said, every year I want you guys to do that. It's called the Passover. So Passover was on the 14th day of the, uh, uh, the 15th day of the month. The day before, the 14th day of the month, the day before Passover, the priest would go and take a lamb and he would kill the lamb on that 14th day. The lamb would die. The blood would be shed. And that lamb then would be the Passover lamb. Isaiah 53, 7. 53, 7, it says, He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb led to the slaughter, like a sheep silent before its shearers, he did not open his mouth. Jesus Christ was the lamb of Passover. Just like the priest sacrificed the lamb before Passover, Jesus Christ, the lamb of God, died, guess what day? The day before Passover. Okay? We fast forward into, turn to 1 Corinthians. Back to 1 Corinthians chapter, I'm sorry, I'm lying. John chapter 1, verse 29. We know this story because we started going through the book of John. Jesus showed up in John chapter 1. John the Baptist saw him, and he looked at him, and he said, verse 29, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That Passover lamb that was sacrificed, that Isaiah the prophet said, this lamb, like a, 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 the lamb will be sacrificed. John said, this is the Lamb of God that Isaiah talked about. This is the Lamb that Moses talked about. So Jesus was that Passover lamb. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and so on the 14th day of Nisan, they would, the priest would sacrifice. The next day, the 15th day of Nisan, was Passover. 
That's what they would celebrate. In first John, I'm sorry, first Corinthians chapter five, verse seven, Paul says, you are boasting. I'm going to start at verse uh, six. Your boasting is not good. Don't you know a little leaven leavens the whole batch of dough? Clean out the old leaven so that you may be new unleavened batch. So you may be a new unleavened batch as indeed you are. Watch this. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Paul is saying that those sacrificial things that we were doing in the Old Testament that Moses talked about, that the prophets talked about, they alluded to Christ. So we have Christ as the Passover lamb. The next day, again, we're talking about the Jewish feasts. They would kill the lamb on the 14th. The 15th day of Nisan, they would have Passover. The 16th day of Nisan, they would have the Feast of the First Fruits, is what they called it. And so what the Feast of the First Fruits was, say that fast three times. What that feast was, I wasn't going to do it, and I said no. <laughs> nah. When that feast was uh, um, winter, you take the uh, your seed, you put your, uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, springtime. You take the seed, you put your uh, seed in the ground, barley, it was in this case, uh, 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 it would grow. First barley wheat would grow around springtime. And when that barley would grow, what would you do was you would take the barley, the first ones that would come up after the seed, I'm stretching these words out. After the seed that you put in the ground, buried, the first fruit barley that came up, they would cut it and they would take it and take it to the priest. And the priest would wave it before God and say, God, we offer you the first fruits. What that did was one, it thanked God for what you had. But the reason they called it first fruits because what you were doing was saying, this thing that I'm holding up to you, God, I know there's a lot more coming where this came from. Okay. <laughs> and so what you're saying is, God, I'm thanking you for this, but it was also a representation of what was to come. You took the seed, you buried it in the ground. The first one that rose up, you offered it to God and you said, God, I thank you for this. And I know there's more of this to come. Genesis. Old Testament. Christ was referred to as the seed of a woman. Christ, the seed, was buried right before Passover. And he rose again two days later, three days later, rose again. That was the time of the first fruits. And we know that, and there's reference to that, if you still in 1 Corinthians, turn over to chapter 15, where we were earlier, verse 20. 1 Corinthians 15, 20. The feast of the first fruits was celebrated the third day, which was the 16th of Nisan. The third day celebration was the same time that Jesus was raised from the dead. So from the day you sacrificed the lamb, the Passover lamb, then the Passover, the third day was the feast of uh, first fruits. Paul said, 1 Corinthians 15, Verse 20, but as it is, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen to sleep. When he said that, those Jews knew exactly what he was talking about. First fruits. This seed that was put in the ground that was buried, that rose again, was the first fruits. So all those feasts 
in the Old Testament that God told them to do Leviticus, make sure you do this and do this, and do this. They were all alluding to, all preparing them, all, better word, fulfilled in Christ. In Acts chapter 2, Jesus had died. Now, remember, Pentecost was 50 days after Passover, okay? Holy Spirit, God told him, he said, listen, go, wait for me, wait for the day of Pentecost, tarry. This is an old-timey old -time word, tarry to Pentecost, and I'm going to come. And so they did. The Bible said the Holy Spirit came. The Bible said that they spoke in tongues. The Bible said that they went out. It was like, hey, it's the middle of the day. How are you talking in a language that I can hear? There were Jews there from Africa. There was Jews there from Asia. There was Jews there from Europe. There was Jews there from all over the place. And they said, I can hear these guys speaking in our own language. What's going on? Peter said, hey, we're not drunk as you perceived. And he goes on to preach to them. As he was preaching to them, we get down to uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 22. Peter says, fellow Israelites, listen to these words. This Jesus of Nazareth, and he talks about Jesus, and he says, who did all these things, you nailed him to a cross, you killed them. Verse 24, God has raised him up because it's not possible for him to be held by death. Well, what are you talking about? Verse 25, for David says of him, I saw the Lord ever before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. Moreover, my flesh will rest in hope because you will not abandon me in Hades or allow your Holy One to see decay. You have revealed the path of life to me and you will fill me with gladness in your presence. Brothers and sisters, I can confidently speak to you about the patriarch David. He is both dead and buried and his tomb is with us today. Since he was a prophet, he knew, watch this, that God has sworn an oath to him to seat one of his descendants on the throne. Seeing that no one was to come, he spoke concerning the resurrection of the Messiah. He was not abandoned in Hades and his flesh did not experience decay. Psalms chapter 16. This is the verse that David, I'm sorry, that Peter was quoting. Verse 9 through 11, therefore my heart is glad, my whole being rejoices, my body also rests securely, for you will not abandon me to Sheol, you will not allow your faithful one to see decay. David is talking in Psalms, he says, you will not let me stay in hell. Hell, just referring to going away when they died in the Old Testament, they went to Sheol. Okay, we, we've, we've talked about that before, so I'm going to get into too much detail. When they died, they went to Sheol. And uh, he said, you will not allow your faithful one to see decay or to rot. To stay dead is what David is talking about. Well, we know David died and he didn't get up. His body decayed. So who was David talking about? Well, Peter let you know in that message. Peter said David was talking about Christ. He was referring to Christ, saying that Christ was going to die, but he was not going to stay dead. He was not going to stay in Sheol, and his body was not going to decay because his body was going to rise again. Jesus said, how silly are you? How slow are you to remember the prophets talked about me? David told you I was going to die. I was going to bury. I was going to rise again. Moses told you I was going to die. I was going to be buried. I was going to raise again. You did not know these things. Why didn't you know them? What, what's exciting to me is about this is the fact that the resurrection of Christ, again, we talked about before, wasn't this new thing that God thought of. 
This has been put in motion before the beginning of the world. Paul says, if you don't believe this, uh, if the resurrection of Christ didn't happen, your faith is foolish. God put this thing of the resurrection all through the scriptures. Page after page after page after page is a story of Christ and his work that was fulfilled by the resurrection. We, we have proofs of the resurrection. We've, we've got uh, 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 things that we can see how Christ rose from the dead and how the Bible says the resurrection is tied to so many things. Last verse I'm going to read, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 23. Paul had just said that the first fruit, he called Christ the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep. Remember the, the feast of the first fruit? You take the first one, you wave it to God, and it's like, thank you, God, for this, but I know that there's much more to come. What Paul was saying with that, because Christ rose from the dead as the first fruits, he was the first one. He was the first barley wheat. That means that we also, who are in Christ, who follow Christ, will also be made alive. That's what he said in verse 22. For just as Adam all died, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, Afterward, at his coming, those who belong to Christ then comes to an end when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, when he abolishes his rule and all authority and all power. He must reign until he puts all his enemies under his feet until the last enemy to be abolished is death. The power, the authority, the rule that Christ has is all attached to the resurrection, such that all enemies, and Paul said that last enemy is death. And so as we live life, as we get sick, as our family members get sick, as our family members pass on, that's not the end for us. That's not it. We don't have to fear death. We don't have to stress about death. We don't worry about death. Why? Because Christ was the firstborn to die and the firstborn to raise again. And because he lives, the song says, because he lives, I would sing it, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, the resurrection, what Christ did for us by dying, buried, and raised again, is what gives us the strength and the power to look at death, to look at fear, to look at pain, to look at suffering. We talked about that last week in our message about suffering. Peter attached the resurrection to the suffering that we're going through. We are all these things. We have all these things because of what Christ did. Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for your death. We thank you for your burial. We thank you for your resurrection. We thank you for all the things that your resurrection gives us, God. Not just because of what it gives us, God, but because of what position it puts you in with all power and all rule and all authority. And we know that as we live in this world, as crazy as things get, as crazy as things happen, God, because you've risen, God, we know that you have all power and rule and authority in your hand, God. And so as we live through life, God, I pray that we will represent you here on this earth, that we will be obedient to you, God, and that we will show our fellow man what it means to be a follower of Christ. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.